My name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number 28 of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my conversation with co-founders of Inward Breathwork, Amanda Lane and Harry Taylor. We just, we've come to realize breath as the absolute foundation to everything else that arises in our life. It is that most basic unit of life force, which allows for everything else to flourish. Our physiologies, which controls our state of consciousness, how we feel about ourselves right now in this moment, compared to everything else. Do we feel good and grounded and centered? So Mm -hmm. when we made that realization that it was really the breath that was at the root of all of our experiences, that it made sense for us to really focus on the breath. When you don't have enough CO2 in your body, so when you're exhaling a lot through these active breath sessions, your CO2 level drops. That limits the ability of your blood to release oxygen to your organs. So blood now is not being released as much to your brain. And that is a state of the prefrontal cortex, which is that thinking analytical egoic mind, that chatter, chatter, chatter mind is able to quiet. So through this really upregulated breathing, you're able to then enter a state of bliss. All these things stress our body slightly, but in turn activate the pathways that help deal with stress for the rest of the day. There's so many like breathing, you know, practices, but the really main one that everyone needs to learn is just actually having breath awareness and just like actually in the moment, noticing how you're breathing. Cause most people don't even pay attention to that. And that right there is like the biggest missing piece. You know, you can lay down and do breathwork practices all day long, but if you're not actually bringing it into your day-to-day nine to five while you're actually working or driving or eating or whatever you're doing, then that's it. We have access to this simple yet profound and incredibly powerful tool that's quite literally right under our noses. It's so easily missed and so often overlooked. Yet the breath, this life force that moves through us is so easy to access in any given moment. And when we choose to bring our awareness to it, This simple act of paying attention to the breath can radically transform our lives. And although breathwork has been around for thousands of years, you know, which is really just exploring specific breathing techniques, bringing conscious awareness to how we breathe, it's now making quite the comeback, especially in the psychedelic space, which can largely be attributed to Stan Groff's work and the development of holotropic breathwork. Although that being said, there are a lot of different breathwork styles and a lot of different practices that are definitely worth exploring. So I invited Amanda and Harry onto the show to talk about some of these various styles. And they are the co-founders of Inward Breathwork, the world's leading on-demand breathwork platform combining the most experienced facilitators in the world across ancient and new age techniques, including pranayama, Wim Hof, and Buteyko methods, just to name a few. And so they came on to talk about the science of breathwork and how understanding these underlying mechanisms can help support us in accessing our breath, as well as understanding how we can manage our stress more effectively. And really, I learned a lot from them during this conversation. So there was really a lot of great information that they shared, as well as some practical breathing tips for when you need a more immediate tool for reducing stress, like when you might find your heart racing in those critical moments 
audience, when you're speaking in front of a crowd or on a podcast or leading an online workshop or whatever the case may be. And whether you're a leader or not, we all navigate stressful situations in our lives. You know, we don't have to go very far until a trigger strikes. <laughs> and those are great opportunities, as Harry speaks to, you know, to become conscious of our physiology and become conscious of our breath. You know, that those moments of trigger are actually powerful portals to our own awakening, to our own liberation. And so I also interviewed one of the other co-founders of Inward, Robbie Bent, a few weeks ago, although we only spoke about the eight days he spent in darkness, which was also such a great conversation that I really enjoyed. And so I co-moderate some really fun clubhouse rooms on Monday nights with Robbie and a few other awesome people called the Psychedelic Deep Dive. So if you want to tune into that or some of the other weekly rooms that I host, you can find me on Clubhouse at Live Free Laura D. Okay, so if you are new to breathwork and you're feeling a little overwhelmed by the options or you're just unsure of where to start, Inward is a really great starting point. I mean, even if you've been doing breathwork for many years, Inward is still an awesome resource. And you can access a link to their free month-long trial in the show notes, as well as the episode page. So every time I release an episode, it actually gets a full page on my website that also includes the transcript and all the resources that were mentioned throughout this episode. And in this particular episode, there were quite a few. So what I love about Inward is that they really did such an excellent job of creating these breathwork sessions that are just so beautiful and inspiring. You know, they've really added this creative flair, and I really just appreciate and commend people when they want to bring a level of artistic expression to their craft, you know, thinking in new ways about what it means to put out an offering that really deeply inspires people and creates community and offers a blueprint for the way that we want to be showing up and inhabiting planet Earth. And they also have a new course that's all about transforming your life with breathwork. And this course is going to be their level one for their facilitator training. And so if you're in the psychedelic space or not, and you want to add breathwork as a tool to your tool belt when supporting other people, I highly recommend checking out this online program created by the Inward team. And I'll also include those links in the show notes. And so before we dive in, just a quick note that I'm going to be speaking on Sunday, June 27th. Can we believe that it's already June? I can't believe it. For this online festival called Create, founded by Adam Roa, that's focusing on self-love and transformation. And some of the leading coaches on the topics of relationships and sexuality, business and creative expression will be gathering for this online event. And I will be offering a talk exploring the intersection between creativity, flow states and psychedelics on Sunday, the 27th, as I mentioned. So you can go to the createfestival.com. That's with the T-H-E, createfestival.com and use my name, Laura, as a coupon code to get 10% off the ticket price. And honestly, the event is super affordable to begin with. And again, I'll include those links in the show notes. And a friend of mine who's in my microdosing mastermind, Ariel, she sent me this song that I'll be featuring at the end of this episode called Rise Up Buttercup by Tiana. 
And I just like this fit for this episode because what the team at Inward is doing is they're taking action to consciously contribute to building a world they want to be living in. And they're also building these amazing venues that's creating this new imprint for what it means to gather socially. You know, gorgeous places that have cold plunges and ice baths and 40-person saunas with sound systems and breathwork classes. I mean, these are my kind of people. And in Rise Up, Tiana says this line, you know, we are the ones we have been waiting for. And we've heard this line before. And it's a good reminder. You know, we need to take action towards creating and contributing to a better future for all of us. Okay, friends. So the other cool thing that I love about this episode is that I weave in some of the inward breathwork tracks that they feature on the website. Holding on empty. We're halfway there. You're doing so well, everyone. When we come back into it, we're going to come back with an in four, out four breath, just like we started. Just to drop in a little taste of what their offering feels like, you know, dropping in that resonant frequency here, imprinting this episode with what they're creating. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Amanda and Harry from Inward Breathwork. All right, then, let's just dive right on in. Okay. Welcome, Harry and Amanda. What a joy to have you guys on the show here with me today. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It's great to be here. Sweet. Well, you're both the founders, co-founders of Inward Breathwork. I love what you guys are up to, really supporting your mission in such a big way right now. I'd love to start by asking each of you, what was your aha moment, like that breakthrough moment where you were like, wow, this is really powerful. Breathwork is powerful. And you knew that you wanted to dedicate a big chunk of your life to supporting other people in breathwork. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll start first. I think my story kind of relates to Harry's. Um, but it was about five years ago at Burning Man. It was my second burn. And I didn't even know what breathwork was. I was just kind of, my first burn was interesting. I was really coming into myself and I was just exploring more who I was from a spiritual side and meditation. And then someone in our camp uh, in second year said, I'm hosting a breathwork class today. And, you know, at Burning Man, you're just like a yes, a yes man. Like I'll do anything. Anyone's saying like, let's try this. So Harry and I um, joined the class and he said, just lie down on this mat. It's going to be an hour. You're going to be breathing. I'm going to be guiding you the entire time. There's going to be really great music. All you need to do is just surrender and let go. And I was like, okay, <laughs> again, no idea. After about, I would say half an hour, I completely lost touch with myself being in this room. I, I, I was entered a whole new state of consciousness and I went on this ride of my past experiences in my life and I was holding hands and seeing people that had made an impact in my life I remember doing this I remember grabbing my hands and rubbing them and my eyes were closed everything was dark and it was in this moment that I 
then felt these chains. This sounds insane, but I felt these chains off my wrist just break free. And then everything went red at that moment, fully hallucinating colors. And then I came out the other side, it felt like, ejected into this new Amanda, this new person. And I felt this huge weight off my chest just released. And it was about an hour and a half total of breath work. And it was a really fast, upregulated beat. He was instructing us to yell, to cry, to scream, kind of just going through emotion. And at the end, we came back and he we had a circle and I was a, I was shaking. I was a full shell of my former self and I couldn't even get words. And Harry was watching me and I, I, I was so raw and I was like I don't know what just happened but my breath did that to me like this is the power of just this rhythmic fast style of breath and it was at that moment we came back from Burning Man we were with our business partners and we were just like I we need to do something in this like this is this is a whole new area that hasn't been touched yet we were so deep in the hot cold therapy at that point that it was just a new avenue and for me I personally have not been the same since like it has lifted this stress weight that I always carried with me and life just felt like a little bit hard and that is gone so it's a really dramatic story I know but I it is it was a big shift for me wow and did you have to integrate that experience yeah, that happened at the beginning of Burning Man. So the whole rest of the week, it was an amazing container to be held in because everywhere I went, anyone would listen to me and I was just talking about it. And it was a lot of just talk therapy with people. And everyone was asking me, you know, who were, who are you holding hands with? Like, who are these people in your life? What did you let go of? And it was a lot of probably four days after of being able to talk through it with people that just really held space for me in that moment. So that by the time I came back to Toronto, I felt integrated in it and I felt just like embracing this new Amanda. Wow. It was pretty wild. Wow. Go ahead, Harry. And then for me, yeah, thanks. Um, as, as powerful as the experience was for me on a personal level, I can attest to Amanda's experience that that was really the most profound moment for me was just watching Amanda. And we had an integration circle of like a, a, about an hour mm-hmm. after we'd actually done the breath work. And Amanda, we're so in love. I love her so much. We'd been together for five years before that moment. And you know, I had come to know Amanda as someone who was very composed, someone who was very organized and responsible and accountable. And that's why we're such a good balance because I was sort of on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> and so to see her just in such raw form, like you said, like absolutely shaking and trembling and crying, the emotion was so raw. I could see it in you that there was a shift in you from that moment on. So as profound as the experience was for me on a personal level, what really stuck for me and what really allowed for me to see the absolute transformational power of breathwork was through that integration process, that one hour that we had after the breathwork and just mm-hmm. seeing the rawness of yourself. Wow. Okay. Well, there is so much to dive into. So from that point, that was like five years ago, <laughs> You did you start training and exploring different modalities? Was Wim Hof a big influence for you at that time? And how did this lead you to starting inward? Yes. So it led into a lot of science-backed research. So Robbie, our business partner, is just so good at diving into all the papers and talking to the people who are the people in the topic. So it wasn't so much going and signing up for a breathwork 
training course. It was more, let's read and learn about everything we possibly can and interview the people we can. And practice. And practice. Every single session yeah. that we could find. Yeah. And finessing it and tweaking it and working with, um, actually, we work with a lot of psychedelic therapists as well to develop this whole protocol with breathwork um, in Toronto. And it was... Yeah, and it was an evolution, I want to say, of how it has come to be now. And just drawing in on inspirations from all different styles yeah. of breathworks, just from having done the research, like this is certainly something that's not new. There's definitely a revival and renaissance of breathwork. Mm -hmm. We're coming to realize that it is the missing pillar of health. But this has been around for thousands of years, and the credit has to be given due to the Indians, pranayama, and the Chinese qi. This has been known for a very long time. So drawing in on that research and just that physical practice, and then also you know, tapping into the scientific community. We're starting to understand it from a Western philosophy as well. Yeah. Wim Hof has been really big. Stan Groff, who developed a breathwork practice that sort of was a replacement for psychedelic therapy when that became illegal. So just touching on, on all these different facets of breathwork throughout thousands of years and um, drawing on inspiration from all sources. Yeah. So as you guys know, I'm leading over 30 people in my three month long microdosing mastermind program. And the whole first month is really about the importance of establishing a daily practice. So yes, even though it is a microdosing program, microdosing isn't really the thing that we're talking about, not in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You know, microdosing is just a powerful catalyst that can inspire us to show up at our altars and cultivate presence. And so can our other practices, you know, like breathwork and meditation and movement practices, you know, and this is more the framework for which I teach microdosing. Like how can we weave more ceremony into the fabric of our everyday lives? And I consider the cultivation of daily practices to be akin to really embodying what it means to walk the path mm -hmm. of mastery. And it takes dedication and commitment to show up for our daily practices. You know, it takes mm -hmm. a deep wellspring of motivation to, you know, show up day in and day out to sit on the meditation cushion or to do the breathwork practices. And so a big part of this first month is really inspiring mm -hmm. people to tap into their why. You know, what is motivating them? And can they use their why as that mm -hmm. wellspring of intrinsic motivation to keep showing up, even when we don't feel like showing up, you know, and holding space for ourselves in these ways that help support our growth and transformation. So I'm so curious to ask both of you, you know, what is your why? Like if you were to give listeners an inspirational pep talk right now for why breath work, like why get excited about waking up in the morning and being like, I can't wait to start my breath work practice. What is your why for breath work? Mm, such a good question. Yeah. Well, you want me to take that? Sure, you can start it. Yeah. We just, we've come to realize breath as the absolute foundation to everything else that arises in our life. It is that most basic unit of life force, which allows for everything else to flourish. Our physiologies, which controls our state of consciousness, how we feel about ourselves right now in this moment compared to everything else? Do we feel good and grounded and centered? So mm -hmm. when we made that realization that it was really the breath that was at the root of all of our experiences, that it made sense for us to really focus on the breath and, and really integrate it as part of our daily routines mm -hmm. and as part of our day-to-day, -day, even when we're not practicing, which is so important, like you said, to have that daily practice. But the breath is with us 
at all times, even when we're not practicing, even when we're not conscious of it, it is always with us. So the practice is for us to allow for us to tap into our breath at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have 25,000 breaths a day and that's 25,000 chances to just come back, to come back from stress, to come back from a state of anxiety, to bring yourself there. You have 25,000 chances and it's just by using your breath. So for me, the big why was just like, why aren't we already? Like This is the missing pillar of health. Um, and for me personally too, I struggle with meditation. I've tried to have meditation practice every single day to sit down and be like, okay, I know this is going to be good for me. I know I'm going to feel better after, but it's hard because I didn't feel... I, I was looking for almost that immediate feeling of like, oh, I, okay, I did it. Now I feel great. Kind of like a workout, you know, you exercise it, you feel great after. For me, meditation just wasn't hitting that. Um you know, maybe in a week of practicing every single day, I'd be like, wow, I'm handling stress better. And like, I'd have to tune into that. But for me, breath work after one session, you feel the tingles, you get a little bit of tetany, you're building up CO2 tolerance. You are physically changing your body's biochemistry that I knew something was happening in me. I knew I was shutting down my prefrontal cortex. I knew I was entering a deep, deep state of meditation by using my breath as the anchor. So for me, that's a practice I can stick to. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because so many people struggle with meditation. So many people have been in my shoes that I look at them and I'm like, just try this, like try it. And you're going to notice it. I promise. Yeah, the breath, it's one of the few and by far the most powerful autonomic responses that we can take control of consciously. Mm -hmm. And so when we do, we can tap into what we thought were these autonomic functions. We can take control of our lives, of our physiology, our circulatory system, our digestive system, our endocrine system, the release of neurons and transmitters responsible for our state of consciousness. So it's everything. (laughs) It's it's really just the base. It's the base with which everything else flourishes. That gives me all the why in the world. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great inspiration. And so I'd love to actually dive into some of the science behind breath work. And do we need to distinguish styles before talking about the science? Like, does the science differ for pranayama, for example, than for a different style, like Wim Hof style? Or can we yeah. make generalizations about the science of breath work? We can definitely make generalizations as to the one that I just kind of described, but it would be nice to distinguish two main styles of breath work. Mm -hmm. um, And that speaks to the two main branches of our nervous system, of our autonomic nervous system. So there is the parasympathetic state of our nervous system. When that state is activated, we feel restful, we can digest, we feel good about ourselves, our heart rate is slow, and we are relaxed and calm. And then there is the sympathetic style of our nervous system, which uh, unfortunately is activated. It's on too often for most of us, just in the way that we live, our modern day stressors, pollution, our diet, screens, social media, our work, it's just constantly active. And while it does serve a purpose, um, it's it's just on for too much. But we can activate the sympathetic style of our nervous system with a certain style of breath. It's the more upregulated, through the mouth, heavy breath. And by activating the this stress response consciously, it serves as a great tool for us to flex our physiology like we flex a muscle. So we're taking control of our physiology. So those are the yeah. two main branches, parasympathetic and sympathetic. And I would say more of the pranayamic styles are more parasympathetic inducing. They're meant to bring you into a place of calm, um, reduce stress like in the moment. And then there's Wim Hof, there's... Uh, 
like polytropic. Um, we, what we developed as well, it kind of falls in between those. Um, transformational, a lot of that is then the sympathetic inducing. So we can talk about it in that way if you want. Oh, that's interesting. I'm surprised to hear that pranayama would be parasympathetic when it feels like such an intense breath pattern. You know, that's, that, that uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess I'm thinking, I guess within pranayama, you can then categorize as well because Kalabati mm-hmm. breath, I would mm-hmm. say probably is sympathetic yes. inducing breath of fire. You're building up that inner fire, you're getting mm-hmm. your system ramped up. But then I would say like an ocean's breath um, is really calming. So mm-hmm. I think in, yeah, in, sorry, that was a mis, misspoke there. In pranayama, there's definitely, it's touching on both sides as well. Okay, cool. And then, so what would you call the name of your style? Oh man. It's, it's kind of this specially curated style. Again, yeah. just like credit has to be given out to all these styles. We're just like drawing on inspiration from all the other sources. Wim Hof was definitely big for us. We're yeah. also huge into the hot and cold. Yeah. Um, but sort of created something that is its own unique expression. It, we definitely do both parasympathetic and sympathetic breath words. There's really a style of breath work to induce any emotion mm-hmm. we want. And we like to really just access the wide range of emotions and states that breathwork is capable but, of. But I would say like a distinguishing factor is like holotropic, for instance, is two to three hours of breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Transformational is hours. You are in that for a long time. And what we've done by so much testing, we sit down with stopwatches as a team and we're going and we're trying to get you to that state, that heightened state of tingling, of receptivity that you feel with, for instance, an hour long session. We, we have curated and crafted it in 20 minutes. And we can get you there in 20 yeah, minutes, yeah, 10 to 20, 10 minutes. to 20. So that then you feel like supercharged. you got it. You feel that again, you feel the sensations you're ramped up for your day. It's like that morning cup of coffee, yeah. but you didn't need to go for hours of breath work. And this sort of speaks to the idea of discipline and practice that you were talking about earlier. We want to make these breath work sessions very accessible and through accessibility, we're see we're, we're experimenting with, you know, yeah. How, how quick can we get people into that state of receptivity, of bliss, of yeah. oneness? And there's also a um, an artistic performance curation that we mm-hmm. approach with our breathwork sessions. Um, just for, in the same reason, like how can we, yes, breathwork is definitely this tool that allows for people to go deep, to have these transformational experiences of growth and healing. But at the same time, how can we make it accessible so as to, for it to be fun and engaging mm-hmm. and dynamic mm-hmm. and participatory? So Harry's so, old life as an artist has really come into play because he's so curated The the when the beat drops, the breath drops, when this happens, like it's very, it's really, oh my gosh, sorry, our cat. It's really, really, um, it's it evokes emotion through yeah. music, music, through yeah. meditation, yeah. through visualization, mm-hmm. the very particular guidance. What sort of words are we using and what sort of meditations and visualizations yeah. do you pair with the breath work? Because you're so primed after a session of 20 minutes of breathing, you're so ready to receive something mm-hmm. that a breathwork session shouldn't just end there. Like mm-hmm. your heart is open, your prefrontal cortex is quieted, you're ready to make a change. Um, almost like the way psychedelics work in a way, like you're, you're primed to make, yeah, a state shift. So at that moment, lay in something about self-love, lay in something about, you know, releasing shame, releasing, um, like negativity that we hold on to and that's what we that's what differentiates us Force 
graceful on the exhale. You're taking in that energy. You're expelling anything that doesn't serve you. In, two, three, out. In, two, three, out. Allow this to feel good. Yes, you're doing so well. Stick with this. In, two, three, out. In, two, three, out. In through your nose and out your mouth. In, two, three, out. In, two, three, out. Amazing job. A little bit longer. Push it. This is what you came here for. To power up with your breath. Getting ready for another hold. Big breath in on my count. In three, two, one, and fill it up. All hmm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love your online classes and what you guys are doing and how you're curating it. I'm all about that, you know, combining it in like an artistic <laughs> way. Like this is the path of the beauty right. way. How do we embody that? And how do we speak that language through what we're putting out into the world? And yeah, I feel like honing in on the craft and doing it at such a high level of mastery to really put that frequency out, that imprint out into society is really amazing. Um, gosh, okay. There are some multiple directions. I do want to get into this uh, more into the science, but uh, can we just touch on this notion of like doing a 20 minute session versus like a three hour session? And is it kind of like, can we parallel that with psychedelics? Like, oh yeah, we might microdose more regularly, but then go and do the deeper dives maybe once a month yes. or once or twice a year. So would you, could you compare it in that way? Definitely. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. you know, you can do the deep dives and that's sort of like for once a quarter or however you feel, but it's more of like, it's the deep, um, work. It's the deep work and it's, it's like a, a statement moment in your life when you go very deep. So we do have like hour long sessions on our site. And those are kind of like for once a month, once a quarter is what we recommend. Mm -hmm. And then we have like these 20, 10 to 25 minute upregulated sessions where you're definitely feeling it. You're charging up your life force, your prana, you're feeling the energy and the vitality. That's more for like once a week. This is at least what we recommend. It's different for every person. And then we have these parasympathetic inducing if you want to relax or at the end of a stressful day or if you want to induce sleep. And that's kind of like for a daily practice. Daily, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So in terms of uh, sympathetic nervous system and stress, it was interesting to hear so many of the categories fall into sympathetic when we're already so over activated in the sympathetic nervous system. So how do I make sense of that in my mind in terms of breath work? Is this toning the sympathetic nervous system? You know, how does that help us actually reduce stress if we're activating it? Yeah, it's so funny. It seems like a counterintuitive thing to do because you're like, oh, I'm so stressed at work. I had a really stressful day. I'm going to lay down now and activate my stress response. <laughs> and it is like going to a gym. You so, okay. So on the day to day, we are, like Carrie said, we are living in the stress state, but we're doing so, so unconsciously. Many of us don't even realize that our breath is short, that we're holding our breath, that we're breathing through our mouth too much, activating the sympathetic response. You don't even, most people don't even realize that's happening, but then they are developing illnesses. They're getting really tired. They don't know how to deal with stress. So then by activating the stress response path consciously, that's like the biggest thing is that you're going to do so consciously. So you know when your body's flipping in that state. So you are in that state through heavy breathing. And then there hits this moment in time that 
you are depleting your body of CO2, of O2, and you're changing, if you said, the chemistry levels in your body of those elements. And when you don't have enough CO2 in your body, so when you're exhaling a lot through these active breath sessions, your CO2 level drops. And when your CO2 level drops, that um, limits the ability of your blood to release oxygen to your organs. So blood now is not being released as much to your brain. And that is a state of the prefrontal cortex, which is that thinking analytical egoic mind, that chatter, chatter, chatter mind is able to quiet. So through this really upregulated breathing, you're able to then enter a state of bliss, of really quietness. And that is a state that we usually end on when we do these sessions, because then people can lay there and they are then whoa, this is relaxation. This is full meditation. And your body then is able to come out after stronger and more resilient to stress and also flipped right into the parasympathetic. So you've activated so heavily that that when you come out, you're able to be, whoa, this is calm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an exaggerated way of explaining it, but yeah. And, yeah. and maybe I just, just to back out a bit and explain like how sympathetic activation will actually help for you to deal with your stress response. We're mm-hmm. big advocates of this, even beyond breath work, we're hot and cold experts as well. And that falls under the same scientific phenomenon. It is known as hormesis. That's an exposure to a short-term stressor that in a large dose or an unconscious heavy dose would be harmful, even fatal, but in that controlled short state of stress, it is powerfully beneficial because it activates all these stress response pathways that we have encoded within our physiologies and encoded within our genes. And that can only be activated when we have these stressors stimulated. Mm-hmm. And you can think of the way that we evolved. We didn't evolve in comfortable climates. We weren't always sedentary as we were. There were times in which we had to run to catch our meal. And so people can think of physical exercise. That's the most easy thing to think of. Like you work out, you're stressing your body, but that makes you stronger for the next time that you work out. Mm-hmm. Inter- and fasting is the same thing. Hot and cold exposure are the same thing. And this type of breathing, ingestion of plant phytochemicals, all these things stress our body slightly, but in turn activate the pathways that help deal with stress for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, well into the month. And you can think about it that you're almost increasing your stress baseline. So a lot of us right now have really low baseline to stress because like Harry said, of air conditioning, of heat, of always having your fridge full. So our level ability to handle stress is so bad. So through sitting in an ice bath, through sauning, through really exaggerated breathwork styles, you are slowly leveling up your ability to handle stress. So therefore, when stress comes at you through traffic, through a brutal email, through your social media, your body isn't going to get fired up and react because you know how to handle stress. Mm -hmm. And the main way that that is manifested in our breathing patterns is that Mm -hmm. our CO2 tolerance is too low. Mm -hmm. So we have, we're trying to expel carbon dioxide. We're not able to, that causes for us to overbreathe unconsciously and overbreathing through our mouth, overbreathing in the chest, tight up in the chest and through the diaphragm is sending signals, millions of signals to our physiology, to our nervous system that something is not okay. So when we breathe really heavily, we are up-leveling our tolerance to, to carbon dioxide. And that's the most important thing that we do when we're upregulated breathing. Hmm. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm a big fan of Kelly McGonigal's work, and she just came out with a new book. I just got it on my Kindle. I haven't read it yet, but it the title is Why Stress is Good for You. And I mm-hmm. love how it's just actually putting the narrative on its head around stress. And I think we have to educate ourselves a lot more about healthy stress versus unhealthy stress and how to strengthen sure. our capacity to navigate through stressful moments. So there was that resource I wanted to mention. And also um, I listened to a fantastic interview uh, with Brene Brown. She interviewed Emily and Amelia Nagoski, who are uh, twins, and they wrote a mm. book on um, how to complete the stress cycle. And so they they talked to Brene about uh, burnout and how to complete that cycle. And there's only a few things, you know, exercise is one of them. Um, and breath work is another tool. There's a few tools. Social connection is another one. I think we live in this culture, especially in like the peak optimal performance space where it's like everyone's searching for all of like these things, you know, but actually it's so simple. It's actually like we just need to come back to square one, you know, healthy body, healthy mind, exercise, social connection, breath, you know, it's just like really, really simple. So Um, Yeah, I like that distinction because you're really speaking to, you know, and I I learned this a lot from Wim Hof as well, that actually inducing stress, it can be really helpful. It strengthens our capacity. And that's essentially what, what you're saying here. Exactly. Yeah. And we have a hot cold studio, like Harry said, like sauna and ice baths. And we guide people through the ice bath all the time. And it's zero degree water, much like you're saying Wim Hof. And if their breath isn't correct, then they can't handle the cold. They can't handle the stress. So that's like a, that's it right there. If you aren't breathing correctly, it doesn't matter if it's an ice bath or any sort of stress, then your body is going to react and you're going to freak out. But everyone is able to sit in ice water for two minutes if you can focus on an elongated exhale. The exhale is the key for stress. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a state of stress, then there's breathwork styles that will get you right out of it. Um, so earlier when you were saying like, it feels weird if you're, you know, to combat stress, do stressful breath works. I would say if you are really in a state of stress right now, don't sit down and do a sympathetic inducing breathwork style. That's not for you in this moment. It is actually a parasympathetic is to get you there to calm you down right now. And then when you're in a calm place in your life, then build up that muscle for the sympathetic, build up that stress response through the more active breathworks. But when you're in a stressful state, there are so many little quick exercises that can bring you out. Um, and like I said, it's just an elongated exhale. Okay, great. So let's oh, yeah. talk about that, actually. Okay. I'd love to cover some practical tips for people who are in moments where they're stepping out to lead. So this is now relating this conversation to the leaders of our time. And again, leading can mean a lot of different things. We're not always stepping out in front when we lead. Maybe we're leading by holding space for someone else and there's a situation that's happening that's causing some stress (laughs) or maybe we are stepping out and we have this fear of being seen that's actually been coming up quite a bit in my mastermind program this conversation of fear of stepping out fear of failure I know I also have this experience where sometimes when I'm either interviewing a really big guest for the podcast or I'm speaking in a big psychedelic clubhouse or at a seminar or a conference or on someone else's podcast and I notice my heart rate starting to go. So let's get a few concrete tips on the table here so that people can walk away with something tangible. They'll know immediately what they need to do when they're feeling that arousal in their sympathetic nervous system. 
and really calm themselves down in those very, very crucial moments where it feels like a lot is on the line. Yeah, that's great. It's always nice to actually make it practical. What can we actually do in this moment right now? So for all you listeners out there, why don't we just actually try it in the moment as we're describing some of these processes? Sure. So again, like Amanda said, we'll summarize. Generally speaking, the inhale has a sympathetic inducing response to it. It is naturally charging. You're breathing in. It's giving you life energy. So it will fire up your arousal. And generally speaking, the exhale is the calm. Think about it. Like you're exhaling, you're letting out your sign, you're melting to the ground, your muscles are releasing tension. So if there's ever a state that you want to pick up your arousal, focus on the intensity and length of the inhale. If you want to become more alert and active, you want to breathe in for a longer and more powerful state, maybe make it three seconds for a count of three, and then make the exhale shorter, maybe a count of one. But so this is for the, this is for activating. Activation okay. of your nervous system, right. of your sympathetic nervous system. And then if you want to calm down, you can reverse that. So the inhale is quick, and then the exhale is slow and just make it as long as possible. So there's a classic breath style. It's called SOS breath or four, seven, eight. A lot of breath styles are done in number patterns. So four, seven, eight is an amazing tool. Again, you'll notice four is the inhale, hold at the top for seven, exhale for eight. So the exhales doubled the inhale. That's like, that's the key right there. So if you're ever in a state, state of stress, inhale for, let's just do it together. Inhale for four. Thank you. Three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and out for a count of eight. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Feels so good. It's as simple as that. There's another beautiful one called box breath. (laughs) You're inhaling for a count of four. You're holding for a count of four. You're exhaling for a count of four and you're holding for a count of four. Mm -hmm. And so this is like the perfect balance. And this is a great way to just balance your physiologies, to bring you grounded, give you a little bit of a state of alertness. You're focusing on your breath, but then it's just completely balanced off with the exhale as well. So breathe deep with me, starting with box breath. In, hold, out, and hold all for four counts on my cue in three, two, one. Navy SEALs use this one a lot. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a great way to just like focus. You're kind of coming into your body, but it's also giving you a bit of arousal for it's great for, like you said, if you're entering into a stressful moment, a meeting or a podcast, or you just feel your, the butterfly is going, your heart rate picks up. Oh my gosh, I'm entering into a sympathetic state without my conscious will. How can I bring myself back? How can I take control of my nervous system? That's a great one. Mm-hmm. And you also want to be breathing in and out through your nose always for these um, stress-reducing breathwork styles because mm-hmm. the nose really was meant for breathing. The nose signals to your body. It uh, produces nitric oxide, which is helps to calm you down. There's so, just a natural five times more resistance, so you're going to yeah. naturally just breathe in Slow. slower. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it also filters the air. It acts as a humidifier. The nose is everything. So if you're bringing yourself into a calm state, nose breathing, and then think about if you're trying to activate yourself and get your, your sympathetic system roused up, then mouth, because mouth was always the fight or flight. You're running for your life. You're going to breathe through your mouth. You can take in more air. It's really activating. Um, so that's a nice little trick to always remember as well. And I think the final thing I'd like to mention is just whether where you're breathing in your in your body mm. is it from your diaphragm. Good one. So we have our lungs. Our lungs have three million alveoli, each of which have three receptors that, with every breath, each one of these receptors are sending signals to our brain as to what state we are in, which side of the nervous system is activated. And generally, the higher um, area of our lobes have connections that that connect to the sympathetic system, whereas areas lower in the lobe activate, have connections to the parasympathetic nervous system. So when we're breathing high up in our chest using these secondary muscles, that's just sending signals constantly to turn on the fight or flight. But if you're using your diaphragm, if you're breathing from your belly, and you'll know, we can just try that one out too. Taking in a nice slow breath through your nose and feeling your belly expand first, and then your chest fills up. And then on the exhale, it sort of falls in reverse order. Chest falls and then belly falls. That's how you know if you're using your diaphragm, if your belly inflates first and then your chest. And that diaphragmatic breath is a sure way to activate the mm -hmm. ventral vagal complex, which is that main nerve that connects our body to our brain and activates the parasympathetic. Mm, that's wonderful. Are you guys familiar with um, Andrew Huberman and his podcast, The Huberman Lab? I'm familiar with him, but I, not so much the podcast. Gosh, he's I know got his some, name, but I haven't listened to the podcast. No, he's got some interesting things to say. He also has one of his primary tools that he put out where he goes through these really in-depth episodes and then he'll teach the mechanism and then he'll offer tools. And one of his tools for stress reduction mm -hmm. was breathing all the way in. And then when you're all the way full, you actually take another deep breath in of air as much as you can, like another sip, and then slowly exhale length all the way out. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I have, I've heard of it, yes. And I'm trying to understand what, why that would be. And I think it's to be able to fill up your lungs to your full capacity because so many of us take these short, shallow breaths. So just like Harry said, if you think you've taken in enough air, there's probably more. There's probably more air in that, those lower lungs you can grab. And that's going to activate, again, that parasympathetic response through these receptors. So it makes, it totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it completely makes sense. It's just teaching people how to take a deep belly breath. Mm -hmm. Also inherent to all these practices, there's like a common underlying theme. And that's just that we, we have to bring our conscious awareness and attention into it. And mm -hmm. so no matter what style we're really doing to bring ourselves into our body, to bring our focus to our breath so that the stressors, the anxiety, the running egoic mind can dissipate a little, no matter what breath style it is, when we're bringing our conscious attention to our breath, bringing ourselves into our body, that will naturally bring us into a state of calm and ease. So mm -hmm. I can imagine that taking that full breath, it's definitely a physiological, you feel it physically, you're filling up your lungs fully. And that has this natural inherent capacity to bring you into the now mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, and ease anything else that was activating your mind. Yeah. And it's just so cool. Like we have had thousands of people do our breath work and on the platform practicing with us. And we've been practicing now for so long and just the stories of people, like it makes a difference. You know, it's not just a practice you're doing that, you know, I hope, I hope I see the results. Like you, people are combating addiction. People are combating mental health and they're 
getting helping with their loneliness they're helping with feeling of connection with themselves they're you, you breathwork can do so many things for the body and i think the, yeah the biggest one obviously is handling stress and it's like it's been so evident in my life i guess also i do hot cold therapy but my stress response is just completely changed like we had this thing happen in our house. We moved into a new house about a few months ago. And last week I came downstairs and the entire kitchen ceiling was like hanging like a bubble. I thought, I thought it was hallucinating. I'm like, what is happening? Like, is this some weird illusion? And Harry was outside. I'm like, Harry, come in. I think our ceiling's about to explode. And I'm saying it almost laughing. And I don't think my heart rate actually increased at all. Harry came in. He's like, whoa what is happening? We're looking at it. He pokes it and probably six liters of water poured out of our ceiling into a garbage bin. And we're both just mind blown. And I was laughing. I have it all in video. I was videoing the whole thing. And the old me, no one here knows me, obviously, but Harry can attest for being with me for so many years. I, the old me would have actually just seen red, reacted, done nothing useful in the moment and just been an absolute stress case. And the way I handled it, I said after to Harry, I'm like, I'm so impressed with myself. Like this is a new person. And it's just translated into, you know, a ceiling collapsing, but also the way I handle work and show up every day. Yeah. So it makes these profound differences in our lives. And the other really cool thing is that you feel it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like it only takes a few breaths for it to actually start to make a physiological neurochemical change within your body and brain. So you feel it and it's instant. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's quite pounced. Yeah. I'm curious about, um, tools, like, you know, the Breathe app on the Apple Watch or something like that. Do you recommend mm -hmm. anything like that to help people breathe in or time themselves? Are there any cool devices, technology? I mean, we have one. It's definitely not techie-techie. You don't wear it. It doesn't ding or vibrate, but it's called the Relaxator. And we're actually in the process of developing our own device that you can carry. Um, it essentially looks like an adult soother that you have and you put it in and you can control the resistance of your exhale. And it also makes you breathe in and out through. So you breathe in through your nose. It kind of goes in your mouth. And then it's like we said, it controls the resistance of your exhale. So the more you have it turned on, so like a level five, for instance, would be a really slow, long, 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 long exhale that would last, I don't know, almost two minutes. It, it's really wild. And that is just fully signaling to your body, whoa, you are really relaxed. You are taking the most massive exhale. So you must be in a really good state. So we actually love to wear them. We all wear them when we're working at our computer. And it also something in your mouth teaching you to breathe. So no matter what, like Carrie said, you are fundamentally learning and changing your breathing pattern, which is just everything. So I love the relaxator. That's a really fun one. Robbie has another one called the AeroFit too, and that links to his phone. Same, similar idea, um, but it's just more techie. More techie, it tells you how much carbon dioxide you have in your system, how much oxygen that you have in your system. Yeah. So it really is becomes more informative as to how your breath is progressing over time. And the reason too that a lot of people will struggle with level five, for instance, and taking the super long exhale is because most of us have really low CO2 tolerance. And having a low CO2 tolerance means that if you're exhaling, that means your CO2 tolerance is building and you haven't been able to inhale. So your body starts freaking out and signaling like, oh my gosh, I need oxygen. I need oxygen. But most of the time our bodies are so oxygen rich. We're just really lazy breathers and we love oxygen and it's not as good for us. So having a really high CO2 tolerance, being able to take super long exhales, is going to facilitate so much 
better, like a lot better performance in your body for athletic performance. Um, what else? <laughs> yeah, just, mostly athletic performance. And, and yeah. the stress response. And stress response. response. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys recommend for suggestions for people to anchor their awareness throughout the day into the breath? Do you think the breath work practice just naturally allows people to become more aware of their breath? Or do you really encourage people, you know, set a timer on your watch every hour and take a conscious breath or something mm. that to like anchor? Yeah. So one of my favorite techniques is anytime that you feel yourself become triggered, and that can become the cue to ground yourself in your breath. So mm -hmm. you're cut off in traffic and you feel yourself tighten up. Mm -hmm. You feel that activation. That can be the perfect trigger right there. What better time to come into your breath? So that's kind of my favorite hack is like anytime that you feel anger or impatience or jealousy or whatever that bad emotional state is, that triggers it. And then it brings you right back out of that state and mm -hmm. into that loving state of the parasympathetic. So that's mm -hmm. my favorite and then I think also just practicing breath work, like making it a, instead of meditation, maybe if you struggle with meditation, like I said, making this your morning practice, just 15 minutes every day in the morning, you're going to all of a sudden realize first the powerful potential that you can feel it in your body. You're going to notice the shift after you're going to have this boost of energy. So then you just, it just becomes something you know, if you meditate every day, you're going to think about, oh, meditation's great. If you do yoga every day, you're going to be integrating yoga. So if you do breathwork practice every day, you're going to be thinking about the breath. And that's like, I guess at our clients, that's the number one thing they're saying to us now is like, wow, it's, it's not even the practice anymore. It's every second I take a breath, I'm thinking about it. And whoa, like I didn't realize when I was cooking or cleaning my house, I was holding my breath. And Harry actually created this new breathwork. It's called background breathwork. And it's just teaching you um, a coherent breathwork pattern. So it's essentially just inhaling for five seconds, exhaling for five seconds, set to really fun music. So you want to you have it on just as if you're listening to Spotify in your house, but it has a breath track built into it. So it's, again, just a tool that teaches you um, to bring it into your daily practice. Hmm. I love that idea. So we're talking breathwork first thing in the morning, empty stomach, ideal. Yes. Yeah. Before you eat, for sure. Before you have coffee, no stimulants. Um, this is the stimulant you really only need. <laughs> mm -hmm. So neither of you drink coffee? I mean, I drink coffee every day, but I will do breathwork before I drink coffee. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's impressive. Um, and so what about um, what about breathwork as a t very powerful tool for integrating deeper dive psychedelic experiences? That's one chunk I'd love to talk about, as well as combining mm -hmm. breathwork with microdosing. Yeah, for sure. Um, breathwork for integration is so amazing. We're actually working with like uh, clinic Mind Bloom, which is a ketamine clinic, and we're supplying a lot of breathworks to their people after they have come out of these experiences. And the big thing that I can attest to, even personally, is just that it helps to, you know, you have these moments in, using psychedelics um, that seem otherworldly and you can't really explain, or and you might want to go back there and visit it, but you have a hard time even putting it into words. And through a longer breathwork session, like an hour long, we have one that act called third eye activation. It's really intense. The music's amazing. The breath is long. You will tap back into that state if you just had the psychedelic experience like two days before. You're going to be able to go back there and revisit and keep working, mm -hmm. which is, I think, a really important part of it all. Um, it also then helps to, you know, reduce stress and anxiety. So 
obviously as well, these, these sessions can be intense for a lot of people who bring up a lot of emotion. So using this as a tool to be able to ground you is also really great. There's the elevated mm-hmm. states of consciousness through breathwork. There's also really grounding states. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's also a really important tool. Yeah, I mean, psychedelics are so powerful um, to expand our state of consciousness and to take us to states that we're not really able to during normal waking states. But um, it's often great to use breathwork as a tool to integrate one back into the body to relate mm-hmm. the experience that they just had so ethereally and so uh, in such an abstract way to root it back into such a... Uh, physical experience as just feeling your breath in your body. So, so like you said, it can be used to revisit. Um, revisit. It can also be used to ground yourself back down. And it can also be used to help keep releasing, I would say, tra- like trauma or stuck emotion. Because a lot of the time with psychedelics, you will go somewhere and then you'll come back and you might feel like tightness or anger or sadness and not know why or where that's coming from. So through breathwork, you're able to, like I said earlier, you're able to shut down this prefrontal cortex, that thinking mind that psychedelics also help to shut down. So you can revisit that state and then usually pull up the emotion that we bury. Mm -hmm. You know, as humans, we don't process, um, we don't process trauma, we don't process emotion. um, We just love to bury things down. So Mm -hmm. through, again, like a deep dive session, you're going to be able to pull up and keep working on um, something that you didn't even realize a psychedelic triggered. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's yeah. a lot of, of science around breath work for healing trauma, but I'm curious if you have any personal thoughts or philosophies around why does breath work act as this bridge into mm-hmm. the release of trauma? Yeah. So just to, I know you've said it a couple of times, but there's a decreased amount of oxygen flow to that prefrontal cortex, which houses the default mode network that is our thinking analytical egoic mind that keeps us in this frequency, in this state of consciousness for most all of our lives. And psychedelics really helps to quiet down that default mode network, as does that limited oxygen to our brain when we are upregulated breathing. And so through that, when that quiets down, we're able to access these states that we're not able to during regular states of consciousness. And that is uh, a more intimate contact with these emotions that we suppress, with traumas that we suppress, and with memories that can only be accessed through unconscious or subconscious processing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and when we do, we're able to, again, create new neural pathways and clear out so many of these energies that we've just buried down without access to them mm-hmm. um through assisted methods like mm-hmm. psychedelics and breathwork yeah so i i mean i love to think of it like if you go to a therapist a talk therapist to talk through trauma like the therapist doesn't know you you know yourself way better you know what you went through and it's so just my opinion but you you are your obviously best therapist and you've gone to someone a total stranger who's going to try to talk you through and process it and you might not even understand the feelings you're feeling or why this happened or not even maybe remember something because you blocked it out but again my opinion is then through breathwork through psychedelics um, you are able to access them. You're able to go and dig deep. So maybe a breathwork session is the first catalyst and then go see the therapist who's trained to help you process and talk through because you're wide open at that point. And I think those two should be combined. And actually we have um, therapists who are some of our top users on our platform that use they use it in that exact way. They get their clients to do breathworks. We suggest we have like a library of five or six that are really opening they give it to their client 
in the room with them and then they'll talk through therapy. Um, and it just, he said it, they said it's an amazing tool to help open people up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what the, in your mind, the connection between the autonomic nervous system is and the subconscious mind. Do you have an answer? That's a deep one. It is. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with Joe Dispenza's work? Joe Dispenza or, um, you know, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Joe talks about this quite a bit, you know, that the autonomic nervous system is the subconscious mind and that most of our programming is living in, you know, subconscious reality. Mm. He yeah. says like mm. 95% of all of our behaviors, actions, thoughts are r- sort of running on autopilot in the subconscious and so to yeah. me, what I kind of see the breath as like that bridge. And I think Wim talks about this a little bit too. And, um, and that's part of the reason I also really like Wim Hof's approach is because he's so about mindset. Like he is like, you know, yeah, just like the, the power of belief in this as well. Mm-hmm. And like using that time of, of breath work also for re-imprinting limiting beliefs. Do you guys oh have gosh, yeah. anything to say about that? Using that time to really help reprogram some of those, you know, core limitations that we've self-imposed our whole lives. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's why we said like a lot of our breath works have themes. So we have ones around self-love, which are just full of trigger words that will help you fully feel when you're in that state, reprogramming what is love and why you are amazing and why you should love yourself, releasing fear, releasing um, shame that we have. And a lot of uh, deep. inner child work as well, where, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that a lot of these limiting, limiting beliefs stem from is from these childhood memories that mm-hmm. really just make these imprints, lasting imprints for the rest of our lives. So, and, and oftentimes they're phrased in questions. So it's, you know, you're doing the breath work, you, you fall into this expansive state and it could be just a simple question that helps for you to unlock a key or to mm-hmm. release some of these stuck energies that we've buried deep down inside. I think 90% of our illnesses are curable with our mindset and we make ourselves sick mm-hmm. through, you know, through negative self-talk, through, um, not breathing correctly. Like there's so many things that we can do on this fundamental level. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I totally think there's a huge connection. Yeah. Bruce Lipton, author of biology of belief. He came out of the psychedelic closet for the first time ever on this podcast. Wow. No way. Yeah. He attributed his life path and career and the discovery of epigenetics to psilocybin. And he did that for the first time ever on episode number seven, y'all. If you haven't listened to it, it if you haven't listened to it, yeah, it kind of blew my mind. I was not expecting. I mean, I've been such a huge fan of his work and Joe's work. I've gone to Joe's like advanced retreats and all that. I so want to go one day. Was it amazing? Yeah, it was. It was amazing. And also there's, there's, I mean, it's like anything, you know, my mom always said, take the best and leave the rest, take what works for you and leave what doesn't, you know, and that's how we can approach things with an open mind. And I I like that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that I really like about Joe's work and some things that don't totally land and, and that's fine. And same with everyone's work, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. really, everyone's kind of pointing to the same thing. Ultimately, you know, everyone's, everyone's pointing to the same thing. So um, yeah. And then, so do you have personal experience combining uh, breath work with microdosing? Do you want to speak to us? <laughs> yeah. Um, we definitely have a lot of experience with combining breath work and um, macro dosing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, breath work ketamine practices that we've honed in on and just created this amazing mm-hmm. experience of preparation, integration, and oh, great. deep experiences. Our first experience at Burning Man, in fact, um, we were on LSD. So yeah, I can definitely attest to it. Um, microdosing, 
not a regular practice, but can definitely see the value in it. For sure. In um, helping to create a practice. Like there's there's the simple habit of taking the microdose and that can be the catalyst to enter into or continue the practice in whatever way that looks, whether it's a meditation, whether it's a little mm -hmm. bit of yoga or whether it's breathwork. You can allow for the actual ingestion, the, the ceremony behind the taking of the microdose to be the catalyst for the rest of the practice, which I think is really powerful, mm -hmm. really just helps for it to imprint that discipline mm -hmm. as you were speaking to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And then I think as well, just like with, with breath work as well, no matter how deep you go, like you are, you can create new neural pathways. You can change your thought patterns. And if that's combined with um, a microdose or a macrodose, I think that's just so powerful powerful because you are able to go in and do some really serious work that <laughs> otherwise is not not done. <laughs> I just found it so amazing. You know, it's so it's so wonderful to have these experiences with psychedelics where it's like just the the simplicity of an essence of a message comes through so strong and it's just like three words and you're like wow that's truth you know in those moments and it's like so simple like water is life you know I've had those moments <laughs> where it was so focused on breath work and like really hard ayahuasca ceremonies where the whole thing was just like noticing how much my mind went off and then back to breath of like oh just breathe just breathe mm. just breathe and there was this the whole, and it was multiple journeys of really just like, wow, just breath, just breath. Mm -hmm. It's so wild. I remember my first San Pedro experience. I, it was really challenging at first, the feeling of just full nausea and dealing with that. And it was the breath, like I following my, my, fully my breath, breath practice came into play there to keep me grounded, to root me in the moment. And I had this breath that was slow and deep and rhythmic, and it became my anchor for the entire time. And then obviously the feeling of nausea passes. And then the breath was ingrained in my subconscious because everything, I was just having so many moments with the trees. And I remember looking at this one tree and it was, it was so unlike psilocybin trees. It was a totally different experience for me. And I like saw and really noticed like this tree is living, it is breathing, it is with me. And everything had a breath, everything had a rhythm and mm -hmm. everything was just connected. And it made me just realize again, like your breath, like Carrie said, your breath is everything. The breath is why we're alive. And if we can't see the tree breathing, it is breathing. And it just so it stuck with me. That was one of my most powerful psychedelic experiences was that San Pedro. And it just grounded me to nature and earth so much. So powerful. And yeah, just along those lines, I'd just like to speak to one of my little anecdotes. It was like the third or fourth time with um, experiencing 5-MeO-DMT. And similar to what you described, just like three words, you know, I had understood, I had intuited on more of like a knowledge, informative level that breath is life force. You know, the, the prana breath is the same thing as your life force. But this is the first time that I was taking in these breaths. Oh my goodness. Like breath is life. Right. Like it's so incredible. <laughs> and right. I'm experiencing it as I take in these breaths. Wow. My breath is my right. life. Like every breath I take in, I'm charging up. It's like, wow. It's just, yeah. it makes it very, um, you're, you're actually feeling it yeah. rather than just like into it, processing it on an informative basis that yeah. breath is life. Because so many people, like so much of the population just breathes every day and they're just breathing and they're walking and they're doing their thing and they're breathing and they don't even realize that this is them. It's keeping them alive. Like it's not until you're fully covered or someone's suffocating you or you, or you're stuffed up with a cold. Do you realize like, Whoa, I can't breathe well. So it's, I think everyone needs to have these 
moments of just eye-opening. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that about childbirth. You know, I'm not going to be a mother on in this lifetime, I don't think. Um, but I think about that. I'm like, wow, women give birth like every day. That is fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I know, isn't it so crazy? It's like, wow, uh, you have like a human popping out of you. It's like legit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like totally mind blowing. I know, I just think uh, like it's so easy. And that's why I love psychedelics to like allow us to see the simplicity and the beauty of life. You know, when you look at you know, a tree and you're like, wow, or a mountain. I had this one experience in Thailand where I was like looking at this mountain range and I could see it breathing. And it was like, wow. This everything is so alive, which is a very, you know, shamanic perspective of of reality. You know, animism is like a core foundation mm -hmm. and it's like for a reason, you know, hallucinogenic yeah. plants have been influencing their perception and their cultural narrative for thousands of years. So, yeah. Wow, guys, I feel like I could talk to you for another five hours, but we're going to have to start wrapping it up here. And I'm just curious to know a little bit more about the programs that you're creating, especially for yes. your facilitator trainings, you know, for people who listen to this podcast, also people in my microdosing mastermind, many people mm -hmm. are already in the psychedelic space and they're really curious about, you know, adding more tools to their tool belt. So how essential is training? You know, when we look at other trainings, Training, some of them are very, very long and also very expensive. So, you know, how necessary is it to train? Can we just learn the science and practice or does it really help to go through a program like yours, for I example? Know. I think that um, some type of training is definitely important for this type of practice. And like whether you want to go out and just like, you know, the training is kind of twofold actual experience doing breath work and feeling how it feels for yourself so that you can impart some of the um, intuitive knowledge that you're gaining from the practice, as well as the definitely like the information knowledge aspect, like mm -hmm. going out there and doing the research. And we sort of did it the hard way by just like hundreds of hours and exploring Five of us. all different <laughs> facets. So, and so that was really our primary motivation for creating this course, our facilitation course, our little yeah. course was to just really condense all the information that we had gathered from all these different sources and just package it up into mm -hmm. like this succinct, like how many hours do you think it is? Like 15 hours of um, theoretical and maybe 15 hours of practical, practical work. Because even like we noticed with the hot cold therapy, like people that you're leading them through, if you can talk to the science behind it and get them to understand why it's happening to them, what's happening and make them feel safe through a scientific perspective, because that is, I think a lot of people can relate to that and feel good there. Then that I think is really important. So we focused our entire course around for part one, at least is all around the science. It's just breaking down what's happening, how to explain the nervous system, how to explain that you can take control, but how it's like a superpower in your life. Um, and just teaching people that in part one, along with all the, um, practice so people can get a taste of all the different styles. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so that's available now, which is really exciting. And then part two is going to be like Harry said, it's more of the practical of teaching people, okay, let's put together playlists. How do you hold space? Is there integration that's important? Um, and that's to come. 
Um, but obviously if someone takes part one and they have questions about, you know, I, I really want, I feel ready. I want to host a session. Like, how do I do this? We're going to be also offering, um, zooms for people to be able to jump on with a group, meet other facilitators, and we can answer questions on the fly because it is also about trial and error. You're supposed to get out there and, you know, hold space for your friends first, maybe. And, um, then when you feel comfortable, obviously to start bringing in, um, people that, have signed up for your breathwork class. Um, but yeah, part one's available and uh, we're really excited about it. Cool. Because I mean, it's not like we're talking about ingesting hallucinogens. Like, breathwork is pretty safe. Mm. It is pretty safe, yes. But you also have people that go through the breathwork if it's a 30 minute session and then they're come out and they're like, why am I still tingling? Why do I have tightness? Like I, I, I now feel anxious the rest of the day. Like what happened? So there's definitely questions that people need to be able to answer and understand. Um, like we get them all the time. So mm-hmm. that I think is really important to have that knowledge and to be able to be there confidently and get people to the state of getting there to, because then that's when the real work happens. Mm-hmm. So being comfortable to push people with their breath because you know how to hold space is really great. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of training out there. There's so much research. You could go on YouTube and go through it all and understand and try to pull it all together. But like Harry said, we've created a really succinct, easy to learn four modules um, for part one that's, uh, Mm -hmm. that's available. Okay. I need to also like reframe the way I just stated that I was like, breath work is safe compared to, you know, hallucinogens, <laughs> hallucinogens it, from my perspective are also very safe, you know, especially yeah. physiologically like LSD and psilocybin, they're very safe substances. You know, cultures have been working with hallucinogens for thousands of years safely, just yes. like women have been, you know, going into the forest and having babies in woods for thousands <laughs> of years. Like, you know, I think it's just like the, the cultural narrative and the perspective around safety. Safety. And of course, you know, if you're sitting with a shaman who pours medicine and is not holding clear space, there is more that can go awry. So yes, like it's, sure. I just wanted to kind of put that balanced perspective in there. Psychedelics, from my perspective, are actually very safe. I think we we sort of over, I think there's like this, a little overemphasis of like the fear of, you know, all the things that could go wrong. But, you know, the good thing we don't think about all the things that we can go wrong, like the moment we step out of our homes in the morning. <laughs> you exactly, know? right? I know. And that's like external things you can't control. This is your own mind. It's it's totally different. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm really excited to check out that that level one course as well. And I'm just so I love all the things that you guys are up to. That's really exciting. Thank I feel you. like we're we going to have to do a whole second part because there's so much more that we could dive into here. I, I know. So. Yeah, we could talk about hot cold therapy. Our space is opening in October. So you yes, have to come and for so that. the invite is absolutely open to you. We, like Amanda said, we moved into our new little home. We have a spare bedroom. We'd love to host <laughs> you and have you. So and, we're planning on opening in October, and and it has like the forty person sauna of Harry's dreams that he designed. So it's <sighs> going to be a space of like full a ceremony container that will host um, whatever you want it to host, along with really fun sauna experiences and essential oils and towel waving and music. It's going to be a new way to socialize and to bring people into their body instead of out of their mind at a bar. This is the new way of a healthy, a healthy community we're trying to build. Wow. And so that's going to be one location in uh, Toronto. Yeah. It's the first of, I mean, hopefully like 30 to 40 we're going for, it's going to be, it's a, it's the vision of everything for us. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I love what you guys got going on with inwardbreathwork.com. The website is awesome. And are you, you also have an app in the, in the works? 
it's in the works, which is so exciting. We're in the whole process of Figma board and dev shop stuff right now. So it's a whole new world to me, but Robbie's very familiar with it all. And um, yeah, we're hoping to have that launched as the same time as a physical space. So both kind of coming up at the same time as it'll be a crazy end of the year. It'll be really, really exciting. Awesome. Well, we'll have to do an update after the launch and kind of get an update on how everything's going. Sounds great. We're down. Blessings. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you. And everyone out there. Bye. Awesome. Five sextillion oxygen molecules coursing throughout, igniting your life. It's five times as many stars in the universe. Wow. Feel into that. And we're going to release them out into the universe in a cathartic scream, sigh, howl in three, two, one, and let it out. Hold on, empty. And for the last time, just tuning into what you feel right now. How does it feel different from the hold on full? How does it feel different from the breathing portion? And how do you feel for when you first enter into this practice? On fire, I presume. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you feel inspired, please leave me a review on iTunes. I just heard that my podcast is trending under the entrepreneurship category on iTunes. So every review that I receive really helps right now. And if you'd like to be in touch with me, please feel free to reach out through my website, livefreelauraD.com, or through Instagram at livefreelauraD. And if you'd like to join me for any of my weekly Clubhouse rooms, please feel free to join me. And you can find me on Clubhouse at livefreelauraD. All right, I'm going to leave you with this super sweet song called Rise Up Buttercup by Tiana. Once again, my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Until next time.